I want to start tonight by thanking you for your prayers this last week. I really appreciate them. I'm not out of the extremely difficult situation, so you can keep praying for me. But thank you very much for your prayers. You mean a great deal to me. Why don't we bow our heads for a word of prayer, and we'll get started. Father, I thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ. Without the cross of Jesus Christ, we have nothing. We have no hope. We're lost forever. I thank you for the demonstration of your extraordinary love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him would never perish, but have everlasting life. We praise you, Lord, for the life you gave us. And I thank you, Lord, especially tonight, that one day all of this life will be done. That you'll take us home. And that we'll have a new eternal home. A new eternal physical body. There will be no unrighteousness. No injustice, no sickness, no tears, no pain, no sorrow. What an extraordinary thing, Lord, you've given to us. I want to ask you tonight, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts as we finish this series, A Life That Honors God. Please open our hearts this evening to what this means to live a life that honors God. In Jesus' name, amen. There are... Only two kinds of life to live. <clears throat> there, are, there is only two. It, we either live a life that honors God or a life that dishonors God. We either live a life that pleases God or intentionally we strive to please God or a life in which we strive to please ourselves. It's very important that you and I understand there is no middle ground. <clears throat> We can't sort of live well. I'll sort of want to please God. I sort of want to please me. Doesn't work that way. And the only life that richly satisfies how God made you to experience life is a life that honors God. Tonight, I want to close this series in my message entitled, Honor God with Your Love and Devotion. Above everything else in life, the Lord wants our hearts. He wants our love. He wants our affection. He wants a life of devotion and heartfelt obedience to Jesus Christ. A life that honors God is a life of passionate and fervent love for Jesus Christ. Those aren't just words. They could be a reality in a person's life. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians... For whatever was to my gain, I now consider loss in view of the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things and consider them rubbish that I might know Christ. But I'd like to read you a passage tonight out of the book of Deuteronomy. I have a feeling that most of us haven't been reading the book of Deuteronomy lately. That's okay. You've probably been reading something else in the scriptures. But I'd like to reflect with you on this passage as it was first written in Deuteronomy. This is the command I'm giving you today. It is not too difficult for you to understand or to do. It is not up in heaven so distant that you might ask, who will go in heaven and bring it down so we can hear and obey it? It is not beyond the sea so far away that you must ask, 
who will cross the sea to bring it to us so we can hear and obey it. The message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart so you can obey it. Now, listen. Today I'm giving you a choice between prosperity and disaster, between life and death. I have commanded you today to love the Lord your God and keep His commands, His laws, and walk in His ways. If you do this, you will live and become a great nation, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are about to enter and occupy. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen to me, and if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warned you now that you will certainly be destroyed. Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and curses. I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life. Oh, that you and your descendants might live. Choose to love the Lord your God, to obey Him, to be devoted to Him, for He is your life. Those are powerful words. That's a powerful message contained in those words. Like there's no middle ground. God is saying to us, commit yourself to me. Listen to me. Obey me. Devote yourself, your love and affection to me. Later on, God goes on to tell the Israelites, and Jesus tells us in Matthew. And in Mark chapter 12. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love Him. Love Him. You know, God does not ask. I want to explain this in kind of human terms for a moment. God does not ask any more than any young woman in this room would want from the man she falls in love with in marriage. I want your body to be mine. I want my thought, your thoughts to be about me. I want your strength and your resources to take care of me. I want you to love me with your body, mind, soul, your emotions, and your spirit. With all of you. All the days of your life. And any person who's been married for very long realizes that everything in our world tries to invade your relationship with your spouse. Other people, they try to steal your heart. They try to steal your heart. We get, we get bored. We get distracted. And we drift. <clears throat> Rather than keeping our relationship hot, passionate, fervent. Rather than doing everything we can to stay in love with that person. Many, 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 many people put their marriage on autopilot. And in this world, I'll tell you a little secret, there is no autopilot. Once you go to autopilot, you begin to lose momentum. The law of emotional gravity takes over. And it begins to push against your relationship. Things get in the way. Other priorities. Other stuff. And the next thing you know, these two people who stood in front of others, glowing and radiant till death do us part, I love you more than life itself, and a year in, or three years in, or five years in, and you're like, wow, what happened to the love and to the devotion? 
I see this even more so with Christians. I see this even more so with people in the relationship with God. We let things get in the way, don't we? We let things steal our love. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Here's another verse I wanted to share with you tonight in 2 Corinthians 11.3. Paul writes to the Corinthian church, this young church, and he says, I am afraid your hearts might be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus. Another version says it this way. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, you also might be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. There is a devil. He's still alive. And in his craftiness, he deceived Eve. Eve who lived in the garden of perfection with a perfect man, by the way. She was perfect. He was perfect. They were extraordinary physical specimens. They were not sinners like you and I in the sense that to this time there had been no sin in the world. God simply gave them one command. Stay away from that tree. Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But Satan came along. And he still comes along. And what does he try to do? Divide us from God. Divide us from Christ. And he lies And he says to us, just as he said to Eve, God's keeping something from you. Go ahead and mess around with your girlfriend. It doesn't matter. Go ahead and get drunk. Go ahead and devote yourself to porn. Go ahead and be materialistic. Go ahead and worship the things of this world. God's trying to rob you of something. And in that moment... That he lied to Eve and her mind was led astray from God, from devotion to God. She bought into the lie and we've all died because of it. Because Adam and Eve chose the lie. They chose the lie and they died. Their children died and death was passed on to all of us. And the only solution was Christ and he had to die that we could live. But as a Christian, when we come to know Christ, there is a profound metaphor here. A profound understanding that this still goes on. And our heart, either we captivate it with Jesus, we love him, we choose to love him and keep loving him and feed that love and allow him to be our all-consuming fire. Or the crafty devil will steal your heart. And the Bible says, Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. Jesus is life. Devotion to Jesus is life. Obedience to Jesus is life. Obedience to the word of God is life. But to turn away, to allow the things of this world to steal your heart. It'll destroy you. Do not let this world steal your heart, steal your love and affection away from the Lord. The devil will do all he can to steal your love and devotion to Christ. Be very careful that material things 
or being popular with many friends does not become an idol in your life and steal your affections. I'd like to talk about that a little bit. You know, I'll give you an observation. We probably don't think of it like this, but, you know, we, we have a, a lot of individuals here that are <clears throat> coming to the rock, <clears throat> excuse me, and they're in recovery, and they're doing well, and it's a beautiful thing to see what God's doing in their life. But I'm going to tell you a little something, an observation about addiction. I want to talk for a moment especially about drugs and alcohol. Just about everybody I've ever known started their addiction because they were hanging around friends who made it either look cool or you felt peer pressure that in order to fit in to your friends whose affection and popularity you wanted, you decided to pop the pill or shoot up or smoke or drink. Because it was too hard to look your friend in the eye and go, hey, you're an idiot. I'm not the idiot. You're the idiot for sticking that in your arm or sticking that in your body. And I don't want to be part of it. And your friends would say then, hey, if you don't want to be part of it, then leave. We don't like you. See, sometimes we don't realize the profound impact that wanting others to like us has upon us. And if we make a choice that I'd rather have their love than God's, I'd rather be popular with them than with God. And people then become an idol. They become the idol whose love and devotion is more important to us than to Jesus Christ. I see it happen. I see it happen with the opposite sex. It's interesting to me, again, in dealing with yeah, yeah, I remember at one time I was dealing with a young man who was, you know, I was mentoring him. <clears throat> he was overcoming addiction um, to drugs. He's doing very well, very well. So one day I asked him, this has been about a year we've been meeting, and I said, well, we just call him Tommy. He said, Tommy, <clears throat> what's the biggest thing you're afraid of when you get out, when you get out of this program? I, I knew what he's going to say, but I just wanted to see if he said it, would say it. And he said, um, women. I say they're the worst addiction of all, aren't they? Women. Women, man. I said, is anybody helping you? Is anybody, is anybody talking about that at the program? He goes, actually, Mark, no, not really. No, not really. We deal with alcohol. We deal with the drugs. But nobody's talking about the porn. Nobody's talking about our, your addiction to the opposite sex. Christ wants our heart. He wants our body, mind, soul, and spirit. And now there's a proper time for a relationship with the opposite sex, but nothing's ever going to work unless Christ is first, most, and our love for him is everything. <clears throat> you know what the Bible says about material things, and you probably already know this, but you know, you, you got to understand I'm an older man. To some people, I'm an old man. I've lived a long, long time. I've been following the Lord 42 and a half years. I've seen a lot of things in my life. I've seen a lot of people start off this journey with Christ and then, and then really nice stuff stole their heart. Did you know that's one of the things the Bible tells us? 
In the parable of the sower and the seed, which also represents our heart for Christ, one of the things that says happens is the seed was sown and it started to grow, but these weeds grew up in our heart and choked off the growth, choked off our love for God. And what was it? Well, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desire for nice stuff, the passions for other interests, and they stole our heart. And I mean, wow, you look around at our world today. I was telling someone the other day, I could be wrong. Let me just say, before I say this, it is possible that what I'm going to tell you is wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not. I don't think there's going to be anything beyond the smartphone other than if they put an implant in your brain. I don't think most of you are going to let them do that. I think we have hit maximum overload of distraction on that phone. I remember when they first started coming, I actually told someone I was wrong. I said, I, 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 don't, I, I just don't believe that it will ever replace the computer because I don't believe people will be, please don't take this wrong. I don't believe they'll be stupid enough to sit and watch sports on a tiny phone about as big as my hand. I mean, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. Well, it's happened. I was wrong. I was wrong. And we are consumed, man. I just flew back from Chicago, and everybody, I was the only dinosaur on the plane. Every single person around me, playing the game, playing, looking at this, looking at this, looking at this. I'm like, wow, man. Wow, we have just, we have, we're just zoned into the Borg. That's the Star Trek Next Generation. You have to understand what that is. You plug in the Borg, one, they control your mind, everything. I call it a weapon of mass distraction. And, and Paul warned us about this. He warned us about this. You know what's really interesting? I had to tell you something really interesting. Just, just an observation. You can ponder whether or not. I realize there's a time and a place to take nice pictures of yourself. So don't get me wrong. I'm not a guy who like, you know, you should never take a picture. Do you know what the Bible says about the end times? Paul writes this. He says to Timothy, Timothy, <clears throat> I'm writing to you. In the last days, there will be difficult times. You know what the first thing he says? Did you know the difficult times? You know what the first thing he says? People will be lovers of themselves. Selfie, selfie, selfie. There it is, right there in the Bible. Lovers of them, selfie. <laughs> I just, I got to be honest with you. You know, I, there's a few things in life that have surprised me. One of them is, I just never imagined. That people will be taking thousands and thousands and thousands of pictures of themselves. Hey, hey, look at me in the mirror. <laughs> hey, look at me, look at me with my hamburger. <laughs> look at me with my teddy bear. Hey, look at me in my pajamas. <laughs> I'm like, wow. So, I'm sorry, but do you think that might qualify for narcissism? Like the worship of me. I don't know. Please don't take me wrong. If you take a selfie, I don't hate you. I, I, I just want you to think. I, I just want you to kind of think. I just want you to step back and ask yourself, wow, Lord, um, is anything getting in the way? Is anything getting in the way to begin to steal my affection from you? So I'm going to run through a few things here tonight, and then we'll close of what you can do. All right? What do I do? What have I done? Others have done it, too. It's not just me. <clears throat> that help keep my love for Jesus Christ passionate, fervent, devoted. <clears throat> I keep my heart in love with Jesus Christ 
and I watch over it carefully. I keep my heart soft. I watch over. Do you know what Paul says to Timothy? Watch yourself, Timothy. Watch yourself. Now, that's a good thing to do, except not on your phone. <laughs> We're talking figuratively now, all right? It is a good thing to watch your selfie. <laughs> see, now I'm using a different way to use it, see? Watch yourself, E, guys. Watch yourself. Watch yourself. No one else is going to. Look over yourself. Watch where your heart's going. Think about, whoa, what have I been thinking about? Where's my mind? Where's my time going? Where's my money going? Where's my affections going? Watch over your heart. I'm, I make you a promise. If you don't, it'll get so hard. Your heart will just get so hard. That's the natural inclination of our life, to just get hard and selfish and bitter and frustrated and distant from God. Never, here's, here's one of my great secrets, never ever forget the gospel of Jesus Christ and what it means to your life. God's grace is incredible. Man, I reflect every day, every day in my prayer time. One of the things I do, and often, I'm so, you know, you don't know everything about my life before I came to the Lord, but I do. I understand what I was, but I also understand what I would have become had it not been for Jesus. I also understand how ruined my life would be even as a Christian had I not understood God's forgiveness and followed the Lord. And I sometimes, often with tears, I just thank the Lord for what he's done for me personally, for what he's given to me, for the life that he's allowed me to experience for 42 and a half years of my life. Never, ever, ever forget that cross and what that cross means to you because of Jesus. Two, never, never forget the things he has done and does for you. Keep a grateful, thankful heart. <clears throat> the fastest way for your heart to begin to grow hard and distance from God is to just think in arrogance. You did it all yourself. Everything you have is a gift from God. Everything God's brought into your life, all the good in your life, the eyes you see with, the hair that you fix every day, the body that you walk around in, the mind, the heart, the spiritual life you have, the guidance, the promises that God gives us. Wow. Wow. Today, yesterday, oh, the last several weeks, just each day I've been thanking the Lord. It's been a very emotional week for me, but thanking the Lord for this incredible woman that he gave to me. Just Kathy alone. Sometimes I'll spend 10 or 15 minutes just thanking God for making me the luckiest man in the world. She's just such a pure, hard, devoted, sincere. She has never have I seen her heart drift from pure devotion to Jesus and to me. I don't deserve her. It's not a day that goes by that I don't remind myself, I don't deserve this girl, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for her love. Thank you for her affection. Thank you for the children she gave to me. Thank you for the companionship that we share and the friendship. It, not a day. Three, read and love the word of God. Treasure it. Man, this book, my Bible, is one of the most precious possessions that I have. And I read it every day. 
I treasure its word. The Bible says in Psalm 119, your word is more precious to me than thousands of silver and gold pieces. God's word sustains us. God's word educates us. God's word warns us. God's word guides us. God's word imparts wisdom to us. And I look back on my life, and instead of being one of those Christians who, well, I started out good, but I made a whole lot of stupid mistakes, which I am as capable of as anyone else in the world. I avoided those stupid mistakes as a husband or as a father because of the word of God, not because of me, but because I kept reading the book and God guided me in the choices and decisions that I made and how I live and raise my family. The word of God kept my heart soft and reminded me how much I need my Savior. Live an obedient life to God's word. It's part of what I just said, but, but you know what? The word of God is the authority in my life. It didn't matter to me what I felt or did not feel like doing as a husband. I went to God's word and said, God, what do you want me to do? What kind of man do you want me to be? How do you want me to love this girl? You're my guide. You're my boss. You're my authority. I love your word, and I choose life. And even if I may not feel it, Lord, I know this honors you, and I want to honor you. Now, I want to honor you as a man. I want to honor you as a father. I want to honor you as a brother of, in Christ to the men and women that I, I want to honor you as a pastor. We can't say, Jesus said, if you love me, if you love me, obey me. Obey me. Stay in close five. Stay in close fellowship with other Christians. Listen, I have not done one week one month of this journey, one year on my own, in 42 and a half years. I have been in close fellowship with other brothers and sisters in Christ in my church, devoted to my brothers and sisters in Christ. We pray for one another. We share one another's burdens. <clears throat> and I listen. They've shared many things. I've been, I know it's hard to believe, but I was in Chicago this week, and the first day of meetings lasted 10 hours. I didn't say one word in 10 hours. I lust to say. There's about 30 other men in the room. We just sat together. I listened. The next day I sat again for about eight and a half hours. And that day I spoke about 15 minutes. We we'll learned to listen. <clears throat> stay in fellowship with others. And the last one is stay devoted to prayer and talking with God. I just can't even begin to tell you or express to you how significant my talks with God really are, my conversations. Now, I'm at a different place than you, but I'm not, I don't have different needs than you. What I mean by this is, for me, I pray an hour a day. I've been doing that now for many, 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 many years, decades, decades. Then when I pray, I prayer walk. So now I've prayer walked myself around the entire planet. I kept track of the miles, and all the way across the United States, and Lord willing, by the time I'm 70, 75, I'll be my second time around the planet. I desperately need my conversation with God and the opportunity to detoxify, to emote, 
to cathartically talk to God about whatever's on my heart and mind. I don't let things build up between me and God. I take time to thank him every single day. I take time to praise him. I take time to pray for others. Prayer is our life. And it's our lifeline to God. You know, one of the reasons why so many of you, now maybe, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but one of the reasons you feel close to people or people are influencing you is because you are sending on average about 150 texts a day to people. You are swiping your phone according to the most recent studies 2,400 times a day. Imagine. Did you even think you could do something that many times a day? So maybe Paul wasn't so stupid when he said pray without ceasing because maybe it is possible about 2,000 times in a day to go, hey, God, help me. Hey, God, thanks for that. God, that's really a bad deal. Lord, I really don't like that right now. Would you help me deal with that? That really bothers me. <laughs> I guess maybe we've proven to ourselves that when somebody puts something in our hand we became addicted to, that it's not too hard to uh, send 150 texts and receive 150 texts from people, maybe you ought to try send some to God. See, in prayer. Because you're really capable. You're really capable of communicating with God just that, that way. And say, Lord, help me. You know, help me, Lord. Maybe some of us ought to try prayer by texting. Just set up a fake account as God. And you'll know what you're typing and you say, Lord, right now, help me, God. Lord, I really can't. You send it to God. He knows your heart. I don't, I don't mean that as a jest. I mean, he knows your heart. For me, I do whatever it takes to stay close to the Lord. Yeah, I do whatever it takes. But for me, conversations with God have been so significant in my life to uh, getting the junk out of my heart, to filling my heart with praise, to filling my heart with thanksgiving, to reminding my mind. When I engage my mouth, my mind has to be engaged, you see. So an hour, that's seven hours a week. And then with my wife, I pray with her now. It's about 20 minutes a day. So that's an hour and 20 minutes a day of prayer. That doesn't include the little things. I'm in my car. I'm driving here. I take time. Lord, and I just talk out loud to God, process things. Well, anyway. I really appreciate you guys listening tonight and being here. I know some of you are new. It was a joy to have you this evening. Why don't you bow our heads for a word of prayer? And as, you, as we close, I want to just mention this about Carl's message. He's, he said they were talking about stuck in marriage, stuck in finances. But I promise you, he's going to get into other things that relate to singles, college students, stuck in your walk with God, stuck in a relationship, stuck in how do I deal with this? How do I, how do I develop new habits? So it's not just going to be for married people and about money. I just wanted you to know that. Father, <clears throat> I just thank you tonight for your incredible love. And Lord, honestly, honestly, there's nothing in my life more significant to my heart than you. I do, I do love my wife, Lord. I'm crazy about the girl. I'm so grateful, but I love you more. I love you more, and she loves you more. You know, Lord, uh, the wisest thing I ever said was, Lord, give me a woman who loves you more than she loved me. Because you're the source of love. You're the source. And so her love for you would ensure that she would love me <clears throat> in the way I needed. Not from a human, but 
from a source of God who could overlook my flaws and forgive my failures. If she loved me for just, Lord, my humanity, I, it would have faded and ended a long time ago. I, I just ask you, Lord, to work in this church, work in each heart, and make us people who love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. In Jesus' name, amen.